Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Dr. Barbara Dallapetze is a special guest on today's show. She is an internationally recognized coach, leadership development expert, and author of The Unexpected Gift. Before we get a chance to speak with Barbara, it's the Leadership Hacker News. In the news today, we explore the notion of productivity and how can knock out those two minute tasks super quick. In a super busy world, we all have to pay attention to getting the right things done at the right times. Blocking out time in our calendar is great for deep dives and specific tasks. But you might be thinking, what about the many tasks that are on our plates each day? The ones that require a few minutes, the ones you can get quickly done and put to bed. How do we focus on making sure that we prioritise them the right way? Author and productivity consultant David Allen is famous for his two minute rule. And the rule is, if it takes less than two minutes, then do it now. And the reason for this is dead simple. For many of these tasks, like replying to an email or calling someone back, the effort needed to keep remembering them is even harder and takes up more time. Just think about it for a minute. How many times have you thought about that quick to do, but I'll get round to it moment, and then you get distracted or carried away, only to find by the end of the day it's turned into a number of tasks that might take a lot of time. And there are other benefits from knocking out this two-minute task rule. One reason is it helps you build momentum while you're enhancing your mood. And studies have shown that crossing off even small tasks from your to-do list or to-don't list gives you a boost of momentum and boosts your mood. So by simply recognising it is a two-minute task that we can get done quickly, we stop planning, we engage in the activity, and it's gone. And we're training our brains to think less and do more, but in a responsible and focused way. The two minute rule is also helpful to declutter your mind as well as your workspace. So instead of holding on to those potential tasks that you might need to do at some point, you clear them out of the way so you can focus on what really matters, which is helpful to stop procrastination and improves productivity. Sounds simple enough, but there's one obvious problem. What if the two minute task is completely unrelated to what I need to be doing right now? Worse if something interrupts you or you simply choose to attack it and it takes longer than two minutes. So for Alan's two minute rules to work, we need to set some limits. Number one, only work on two minute tasks if they relate to a larger assignment you're working on, not distracting you. Number two, set aside larger time blocks in your calendar for your two minute tasks, which might be a half an hour section in a day where you can bundle your two minute tasks together. Number three, immediately decide on your next steps. This might include designing a time in your calendar to do those tasks or is it something you do now and my leadership hack on this is dead simple we all know every day there are things that we don't know are going to happen but do so plan for it 
plan for the unexpected, and plan for your two-minute tasks. So the response is, do it now, or do it in my two-minute task window. That's been the Leadership Hacker News. We'd love to hear any quirky stories, insights, or news you have from around the world. So please get in touch. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Barbara Dalipetze. She's an international recognized coach, leadership development expert, and author of her book, The Unexpected Gift. Barbara, welcome to the Leadership Hacker podcast. Uh, thank you, Steve. It is an honor to be here with you today. It's my pleasure. And hey, how was my Italian pronunciation of your name? That was awesome. You could uh, be Italian. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So how's Verona today? It's beautiful. It's sunny. Uh, we have awesome coming in and the colors are amazing. So I would say perfect day today. Great. And as our audience listening from around the world, I can imagine that there is a, a bit of envy to want to be in Italy with you today. <laughs> it is indeed beautiful these days, so I have to admit. <laughs> so I'd love to get into a little bit about your backstory, because you came from a very academic perspective and then turned that on its head to do what you do now. But just tell us a bit about the story. Yes. So, um, well, I am Italian. And as you say, I do have a background in academia and I have it also in business. And, and actually the two paths kind of uh, um, went together because um, I started by loving doing research and it was uh, research into understanding more the dynamics that are between human beings and behaviors and uh, understanding more what the human being is about. And while I was uh, doing this, I was researching, I was studying. At the same time, I was passionate about uh, um, crossing over to the corporate world and do um, training and coaching in corporations because it it seemed to me that what I was uh, researching and discovering within my university and academic world could have benefited so much uh, the business world. And at the time I was in Hong Kong, so a melting pot in a very eclectic place. And uh, it was the perfect situation where I could uh, tap into both worlds. And so And so I did. And so I did. And uh, it seems strange, but my my research was in uh, in philosophy and was also uh, in what is called medical humanities, researching on pain and suffering. And what I was discovering, actually, um, it seems very appropriate to bridge into the corporate world, where there were a lot of frustration, difficulties in re- in, in managing relationship, in managing themselves, in sometimes very uh, demanding and and hence a painful situation. So I love mix and match. And so I tried to bring everything together and uh, it worked. Yeah. Awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, what you studied from an academic perspective is actually the kind of foundations for what you do now in the work that you do now. But I also know from having met with you before that, the learning that you were experiencing, the research you were gathering and, and the work that you were doing was also going to have to be a really foundational crutch in your personal life, which kind of created that bit of a pivot for you. Just tell us a little bit about that journey. Yes, you are absolutely right, because um, when all of the above was happening, I actually moved from my country Italy to uh, Asia and particularly to Hong Kong. And uh, um, at the same time, uh, it just happened that my marriage collapsed. And so I found myself in a position where I had to 
rebuilt basically everything, my sense of identity and my future. And I had to do it by being in the midst of a different um, culture in a different country with different culture. And, uh, and really what I needed to find out is uh, how can I uh, rebuild myself? How do I find myself again? And how do I imagine my future again? And, and, and that was a call to be a leader of myself and leading myself into a new territory that was unknown. And I, and tapped into, I, I, I didn't know what I was going uh, towards. And so I decided that I needed tools that at the time I, I knew I did not have. And so I started studying counseling. I, I dug deep into uh, psychology and the branch of philosophy that actually uh, helps you to uh, clarify concept like uh, what does it mean to be? What does it mean to become? What are the structures of the human being? And uh, by doing that, I, that helped me actually to uh, find a way for me to reinvent myself and my life anew beyond what I have always believed in and what the culture I was brought in, the frame of references I had, everything was new and I needed to find a way to navigate that newness uh, uh, with new tools. And so that's why I decided, you know what, let's me get some tools and learn. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I particularly like though, is that you actually use yourself as the, the research method at the time. So you were using your own experiences to kind of heal and to rebuild. And now all of those experiences, you reframe it as an unexpected gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so as people are listening to this, I suspect they might be thinking, so here, here's a, a strong independent woman who's uh, great in her career. And then she goes to all of this personal tragedy and learning. How do you end up calling it a gift? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, at the beginning, it was not at all a gift. <laughs> at the beginning, actually, when people, uh, as you probably imagine, they tell you, well, you will see that this is for your own good and uh, you are better off like this. I used to get very angry because at the time I did not want at all <laughs> the divorce to happen. I didn't want, I, I, I wanted my marriage to work and I still wanted to be in that marriage. So it didn't feel like a gift at all. And uh, um, however, because my decision was to face what was happening to me and to my life. And, and as I just said before, trying to find a way to move forward, I allowed for new perspectives, new way of feelings, new people coming into my life, new opportunities. And actually, in time, I discovered that uh, actually, and that's why I called my book The Unexpected Gift. The Unexpected Gift actually was not the divorce. <laughs> the Unexpected Gift was the journey that that single event took me uh, on and that I walked the path I walked that was actually paved with uh, what at the time I did not recognize as gifts but as my emotional state got better as I quiet down from the inside as I got back a little bit of peace and harmony and I was able to kind of turn and look back a little bit on this new path I could see that actually so many gifts were there and they were in the form of 
people that I barely knew offering me opportunities, uh, um, um, situations that that were created and that were independent from 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 me. It was not my doing, and yet they were there and they gave me opportunities. It was in the form of uh, being in a country like it was at the time Hong Kong that presented lots of opportunities and. Uh, Many, many unexpected situations, people, circumstances that in time showed up and became actual gifts and opportunities. Let, let me give you a, a very simple example. When this happened, I just finished my PhD. And literally, it happened the same day I was awarded my PhD that my husband delivered the news. And so that was a shock. And uh, I was in no position to find a job or cultivate my career at the university because I was uh, heartbroken. And uh, what happened is that uh, a person that I just met and they knew about uh, my situation and what happened introduced to me what I call three angels because they were three ladies from the British aristocracy that in order to help me, and, and look, I did not know these ladies, but they wanted to help me. And so they kind of invented that they wanted to learn and speak about uh, Italian culture and philosophy and uh, um, doing it by in, in, in Italian. And so they offered to pay me to uh, entertain conversations with them about art, politics, culture, all these kind of things. In Italian. And so they were like angels because I was like, is it even real that you have people that want to pay and offer you a job for speaking about these things? And it did happen to me. And so they were my first uh, three angels that helped me to get back on my feet. Um, I had people that I barely know that offered me to stay in their apartment in the center of Hong Kong. And just because they, they could do that and they had that apartment available, so I didn't have to make an immediate decision on where to move in or where to stay when I wasn't a time that I, I had no clue. So tiny little things like these, they just kept happening. And so if in time I could see how many of this expression I now say of love and they are those invisible gifts that happen and you don't recognize them that they are gift when they happen but then if you pay attention they are really there and they are um, always going on they are constantly happening and so that's that's why there was a gift that that was a long answer that's a great <laughs> to your question Steve <laughs> the thing that's really quite nice is that the whole human spirit can always kick in in adversity can't it and there's always great stories of that and I and I wonder how much of that experience early experience for you kind of set you again on that path of discovery if, if you mean the the attitude and the disposition I learned to have towards what was happening yeah definitely it has been the greatest uh, discovery and the greatest gift because um, it really creates a disposition so that you are open to receiving. And uh, you, you, you really never know what is coming your way. And uh, it is my experience that often what we expect 
is so much smaller than what actually happens and comes your way. Right. And so um, I think it was for me a great lesson to always be open to what's seemingly impossible because that actually can can happen in both ways, right? In the positive sure. sense and in the negative sense. But yeah. Um, yeah. And as a result of that, do you think that as a, and I'm generalizing here across the, the global population, but as a species, how much of that lack of awareness or lack of opportunity is because we've just got comfortable and in control? Um, I think that a lot of it comes down to what you just said. Um, we tend to choose to be comfortable and we forget that, yes, that comfort is the one that we have managed to achieve uh, to the point where we are comfortable. But there is so much more than what we have experienced already. There is so much more about us, about our life, about possibilities and opportunities. And it is really, I think it, it really depends on on what you eventually want and how ready and I would say open you are to actually explore and expand um, your sense of who you are and therefore the reality you can create and can be open to. The whole notion isn't it of the more open you are to opportunities and coincidences the more coincidences happen. Yes and and the and the, the let's say the most difficult part is probably to learn how do I open up to possibilities? What do I need to transform about myself? What do I need to change in order to allow for opportunities to actually show up? And, and I say show up, but in fact, it is not that they are always, they, they are already there and they are already shining in front of us. It's us that often, often we do not have uh, we are not refined enough in our ability to be aware of those opportunities because, as we just said, we tend to protect ourselves and look for safety instead of uh, um, actually look closely and, and, and be more uh, attentive to what is already there. And you chronicled all of your experiences into your book, The Unexpected Gift, and you actually created seven steps to the gift to help people on that journey. And I thought it'd be really great for us to just spin through those seven steps and, and maybe get into a few of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, these seven steps are those that actually allowed me to overcome and transform my situation. And uh, very briefly, the, the first step is, of course, to uh, awaken to your own story and actually owning your story. Um, because, as you just said, we maybe I was very comfortable. <laughs> that was it was out of a, a blue that this situation happened. I thought that I was on top of my game. And so um, it was a shock. And clearly I was not. Uh, really conscious of what was going on in my life and in my then husband's life. So be, uh, be really conscious and make an, a, a, an effort to be honest as much as possible as to what is going on in your life and what your reality is about. 
because then you can expand, as we just said before, right? And you can you can notice what's at the edge, and that maybe is not just in front of you, but nonetheless is there and needs to be taken into account. And even if I am a philosopher and I was a philosopher, and so my I, my inclination is to be curious and ask questions, somehow that was not enough because clearly there was something that I was not right. paying enough attention to. Right. Those things at the edge. So first step, uh, be conscious and own your own story. So um, the second step is building radical relationships. And um, that was for me was a a key element in the experience and in the traumatic experience I went through. And first of all, radical relationships, when I say radical, I mean those relationships that actually are solid and grounded and they are unshakable. They can be relationships that you have built in time. I was blessed with very long time relationship of more than 30, 40 years even, which dates me a little bit, <laughs> but uh, could be also relationship that you have built in the past year just one year old relationship but those people with whom you really connect you are aligned and they actually care and build radical relationship are those is key because when these events traumatic difficult happens and they they always happen sometimes and at a certain point in our life for me the key of this radical relationship was that they were able to remind me of who i was and what I was about when I was in no position to remind it for myself. Yeah. And and that for me was key. And it 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 was key in this very difficult moment. And it was also key when I succeeded and I needed somebody to celebrate with that I actually was going to be happy for me. So spending time, energy, uh, resources to look for relationship that can be transformed into radical relationships and actually build those relationships. It's like uh, really putting a treasure into a bank. And then when the time comes, you can go and and get uh, your resources out as in radical relationship. Love it. The third step that was for me very important was finding clarity of mind. Because uh, when situations like Uh, the one I experienced happened to me, there was a lot of uh, confusion in me because what I felt, uh, the way I have thought till that moment, my thoughts, they they did not make sense and did not match reality at all in that very moment. And so for me, it was very important to clarify what is actually going on here. Where do I stand and uh, what can I believe? What can I trust because all of these went uh, be- became confused and and reality did not make sense for me and so it took i did take a lot of time to find a new level of clarity that was actually just up to me because in my particular story unfortunately my then still husband uh, was not offering me any perspective or any 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 clarity any reasons for what was happening. And so I had to find somehow um, clarity within myself. And so I discovered that there is a level of depth at which we can have clarity, no matter what's going on around us. And I have learned to live my life at that level of depth where 
clarity was up to me. And when it came to others that would bring their element, if they were not willing to do that, that I needed to be okay with that. And so the, the third step is finding clarity and distinctions about what was going on that could that, that worked for me at the time. And that gave me um, the minimum level of peace of mind, really. The, the fourth step is what I call enlisting the body. That sounds nice and deep, enlisting the body. Yes, it, it is. And that was an amazing discovery, Steve, because um, my mind was racing to find a truth that was nowhere to be found. And, and so the clarity I was just uh, talking about. And my body became kind of a night for me because uh, um, I realized that I needed energy. I needed positive energy and my mind was not able to provide that. And so in the very difficult situation where I was uh, in this traumatic experience, I did not have a full-time job. That was difficult, but it was also a blessing because I had lots of time to take care of my health and mental health and also physical health. So my body, I actually decided to literally leverage my body and the energy it could produce. So I would spend hours hiking because I realized that the more I was hiking, the more I was sweating, the more the pain was receding a little bit. And the endorphins were produced. And so a sense of normalcy started to appear again within me. And it was amazing because um, I am, as a, an author would say, traditionally built, so I'm not a petite woman. And so I do have a lot of energy and, uh, and uh, using the energy of my body and my muscles to actually work for me in this case. It was amazing. Um, and, and just to give you an example, um, I would really walk uh, for four to five hours a day. That was how much I needed to walk in order to get a sense of relief a little bit. And I had found a job after the Three Angels uh, experience ended in the evening, teaching in the evening. And so during the day I would walk. In the evening I would go and teach for three or four hours. And by the time I would go home, that was the most painful time when you are alone and you go back into an empty apartment and you realize that the, the life you had is no more there. And every night was a reminder of it. The fact that I used my body so much, I worked out so much and it kept me awake all day. At night, basically, the body would drag all of us to sleep. My mind that wanted to still ask the questions, no, the body's too tired, let's go to mm. sleep. My, my heart that was in pain, no way the body would drag us to sleep. And so it was an amazing, an amazing blessing to discover this, this uh, body of, of mine. And still to today, I keep going with this, uh, uh, with this uh, routine. Not five hours a day, but keep the body in the in the in the picture uh, is is very important and it fuels so much other things as well like sleep so you just said that you know rather than having those things stew over it your body goes now it's time to sleep and therefore you get double recovery don't you from that 
Absolutely, absolutely. And and there was no way that my mind could contradict the body. No, we are going to sleep, the body would say. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I would just collapse because I was too tired. So that was a blessing in itself. Yeah. <laughs> so at the last three steps, I will be uh, quick. So the number five uh, is partnering with mentors. Um, mentors... Um, to me, they were unexpected mentors and they are what I call the giant of the soul. And I found mentors in books and the books that tell the story of survivors and particularly survivors of the Second World War and in concentration camps. And the reason I found them, in them my mentors, is because people around me my friends, my families, my colleagues, although they wanted to be close to me and help me, they did not go through such a, a profound, uh, painful situation. And so somehow they could not reach me and help me and be close to me at that level of depth. And I needed to feel like I belonged to a group of people that actually understood really what I was going through because I felt I was at war when all of this happened. And so I discovered that reading about the story of people that survived the atrocity of war or genocide in Africa, for example, those were the people that were actually helping me a lot. And so I started reading all those kinds of books and uh, I started learning from them how they how how were they thinking during their experiences? What did they do? What did they rely upon? And and I learned from them. And I've be, I felt that I belong to that community. Not that I am comparing my painful situation with theirs, not at all, but exactly because theirs was so much more painful and more tragic and more difficult. If they made it and if they succeeded, they were the voice from the future I wanted to listen to and I wanted to learn from. And, and so it did. In fact, after going through their stories and reading and learning from them, that's when then eventually the shift happened in me because I was looking at their stories as voices from the future. Yeah, and I was learning, and uh, they they taught me how to look differently at my life, at myself, and the future. And that was an authoritative voice. <laughs> it was it was uh, great. I, I was so grateful that I was able to to learn from that in that manner. Um, giant, giant of the soul. Yeah. That's what yeah. they, they were. And the last two steps are the first, the, the number six is forward in the future, because uh, at that point, I was uh, uh, free to look at a future that I did not uh, want at first. I did not know what it was. It was completely different from what I've always imagined. And from, from, and, and, until that point, it was very scary for me to look at my future and imagine what it could have been like because I had no clue what it could look like. I've always thought I'm, I will be married, I will have kids, I will have my career, and that would be it. So, and, and now here I am, I'm not married, I don't have kids, and my career is in the making. And so I needed to learn how to be in a new world as a new person. But by then... I was able to make the step into 
that new future and I started to imagining in a new way. And, and therefore, I started to forward the future and started to make it happen and bring it to life because then I was ready. And step seven, which is a crown to all of these, is what I call paying it forward to complete the healing process, to complete this, the, the, this path of renewal and transformation essential is that I could pay it forward. So all people that has that have helped me throughout this journey, and they have done it just out of sheer love and willingness to um, make me feel better or contribute, um, I needed to pay it back. And so part of what I do now and, and my life is always having this in very clear in front of me that I need to pay it forward. And so when the opportunity comes, I want to do it. So what pe these people have done for me, I am going to do it to somebody else that it might be in need and there is something I can do to help. Um, and, and that is actually the, the, the crown, as I said, of this, uh, of this path. And all of this becomes a gift. And you're paying it forward. That gift, by the way, you're paying forward by just sharing that story with us today. So it's just amazing. And, and I love the, the way that you've, kind of been able to create that almost flow of activity to get you to the state and space you're in now so uh, well done you thank you so much thank you so much it's um i could not not do it yeah <laughs> and that paying forward is also now a huge part of the work that you do through coaching and supporting other people and ironically i remember when yeah. we spoke last you, you were telling me that you, you often come with a bit of a health warning when people people get to coach with you because <laughs> you know i remember you telling me that one person said to you at one stage uh, when barbara starts coaching people start resigning be careful <laughs> so how is that part of that kind of unlocking people and is that part of that process actually i think it is because um after going through um my story actually <laughs> and my story made me who i am um for me, it becomes, it is essential that the people I work with, in order for them to feel fulfilled and to feel that they are living their purpose, they do need to be aligning. Uh, they need to own their stories. They need to be connected to who they are at that moment in time when I meet them and, and be authentically who they are and align with their core values. And often, if this is not the case, and for example, in the situation they are in and the job they are in, they are not aligned, then they are not in alignment with who they are really. And that's also what caused them to be frustrated or not being fulfilled or, or being actually in pain because it often happens. Uh, if you want to regain um, efficiency, a level of um well-being that you do need to function and to be creative and generative in your work and with the people you lead you do need to be connected with who you are at a very deep level and when this happens uh, situation shifts and change i i don't know if i i mentioned to you but i i mentioned it now because it is a beautiful story um, I was uh, working in china uh, with a top executive she was um heading uh, the the 
the sales um, of a big, big chain, um, big company in China. And she has been doing that for, for many years. She was uh, financially free by then and still very young, but she was not happy. She was a woman. And uh, we started working together and uh, we worked together for one year, a bit less than one year. And eventually what ended up being for her is that I don't want to work in this position in this company anymore. What I actually, I want to do it that I've always postponed it. And that is something that I really care about. And now I am in a position of doing, but she didn't have the courage to do. She wanted to go and um, spend time with penguin and research on penguin in Antarctica. And so uh, that that's what uh, she decided to, that it was time to do. And so, um, she decided to quit her job and to transform completely her life following what she did not have the courage to follow um, with before. And that was the result of uh, just helping her reconnect with what she really wanted to do and who she really um, wanted to be. Awesome. And then she did not have the opportunity, the courage, and it was perhaps not the right moment before, but it became the right moment. So this is kind of an extreme situation, not saying that it's always yeah. happening. So just just but... for anybody who's considering hiring Barbara as a coach, <laughs> your team are safe. Nobody's <laughs> going to be, you know, leaving in droves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. I just thought it was worthwhile putting a little bit of a public warning message out there, just in case everybody's thinking, blimey, I'm not hiring Barbara. Uh, <laughs> on the contrary, what you're talking about, though, Barbara, is purpose, right? Finding yes. people's purpose. And we all need that in our lives and our work. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That, that is what motivates us, right? Absolutely. And even if we are not connected with our purpose, we can push ourselves, we can strive to obtain results. And we do, we do. But the cost and the energy and actual, the actual results are not as uh, well-rounded and as great as they could be if we were connected to our purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you've been doing some traveling, taking some time out, but what's next for you and your work? Well, uh, more and more, well, hopefully I will resume the traveling as soon as the situation uh, settles a little bit more. Um, and, and that continues to be important because for me is a source of uh, creativity and learning from diversity. For me, it's key. So I always am in a, a curious and I am in a learning um See, I, I want to have the attitude of wanting to keep learning from others, right? So traveling is in, is there for me. And uh, I more and more am working to help people and my client overcome and transform relationship conflicts. And uh, when I say relationship conflict is also because uh, what I mean, and, and I tell you in a minute, is due to the fact that the situation we have been living has put a lot of pressure into relationships, all kinds of relationship, relationship that we have at work, relationship that we have at home um, and in family um, and all relationship become core in the way we um, live our life and we can achieve results. So more and more, even because of my experience, I want to help people overcome and transform relationship conflicts 
into opportunities, opportunities for change, to reconnect with a purpose that my people might be scared to look at and uh, and from there actually working towards developing the leadership. I don't know if it makes sense, all of this, but starting from a relationship. Uh, Start, everything is a relationship, isn't it? Whether you're at work or at home and they're so connected that if your relationships at home are not great, then you're not going to perform at work. If your relationships at home are great, but they're not at work, you're going to take that back and then one in, impacts the other, doesn't it? Yes, and and particularly now that uh, the the hybrid kind of working, right? We might be working remotely more than before. We don't go to the office as we used to be before. Become um, expert and and capable of mastering actually relationship at a distance. It is an art, and we need to learn it more and more because. Uh, it is too important. As you say, everything is relationship and the means through which we relate to each other and, and connect and the way we um, interact has changed. And uh, we, need to, we need to learn the art of relating to ourselves and others, I believe. Yeah, I concur. So, you know, Barbara, at this stage, the cadence for our show is we get to turn the lens a little bit and I'm going to tap into your leadership mind and try and get all of the life's lessons and work lessons into your top three leadership hacks what would they be um wow well, condensing it into three yeah, big, big <laughs> gig, isn't it? I know <laughs> so i would say first uh, do the inner work do really the inner work and discover all that influences who you are and how you behave and how you feel so the i call it the inner work of leadership um, the second is uh, collaboration, collaboration beyond differences. So cultural differences, gender differences, age differences, learn to collaborate uh, um, in all kinds of possible directions, because I believe that that's the future as well, um, given the differences are many and are there. And at the same time, um, it is as if there the differences are don't play a role. Um, because we need to connect and relate beyond differences and collaborate beyond differences. Um, and the third, I would say humility. We need to learn, relearn to be humble. And by saying being humble, I don't mean that we need to be hesitant in doing things or think that we are don't need to be aggressive or this kind of thing. When I say humility and learn to be humble, it means to recognize that in order to uh, move forward, in order to make situations better, we do need the help of others and uh, from many different others. And so we cannot be arrogant anymore and pretend that that's all uh, up to me, but become aware and conscious that uh, Actually, everything I do is supported and is made possible by the contribution of others, um, even if I'm not aware of it. So I think that these three inner work, collaboration beyond differences and humility would be the three top tips, um, ideas. 
So next part of the show, we call it Hack to Attack. Now, you've already had the head start on this one because your unexpected gift is undoubtedly a hack to attack. But we yeah. kind of frame this in where something in our life and work hasn't worked out well, but that event has now created a positive in our life and the work. So outside of your unexpected gift, are there any other gifts that have become that hack to attack for you? Um, I don't know if this is a gift, but I think it's a, uh, it's a funny story <laughs> that Let's I would like to say. Uh, when I was deciding what I would become, right, and starting at the university and what would I be, um, architect was a possibility because my family business, my father is an architect and he has always had a very um, successful practice. And so I was supposed to become an architect. And at a certain point, I studied for a couple of years architecture. And then I decided, you know what, I cannot build houses and studying the materials the the, the mathematics of building uh, houses or buildings uh, if i don't know how to how a human being is built so the people that will inhabit the house <laughs> and so uh, i decided to um leave the the studies i were doing at the university so i stopped studying architecture and i moved to philosophy and when that happened it was kind of a tragedy because <laughs> what would barbara do given that the business here was already set up and successful and and the rest was to be built and um fast forward now everybody is saying we are so lucky that Barbara didn't study yeah. architecture <laughs> because the houses that would come up would be very strange because my <laughs> sense of the measurement are really funny. And so now it is a joke around here that luckily Barbara stand up for what she believed in. Managed to and preserve the architecture in Verona. <laughs> exactly. It would have been at risk. So. Awesome. For, and, and I say this, which means that I learned that really what you need to stand up for what you believe in and trust your intuition, even if people around you are against you and don't understand it. Because yeah. eventually time showed me that that was the right thing to do. And that's the hack right there, isn't it? Listen to that <laughs> intuition. Exactly. Yeah. And the last part of the show, we get to give you an opportunity to do some time travel. And you can bump into Barbara at 21 and give her any advice in the world. What would it be? Wow. Um, I think that it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation. I would tell Barbara at 21 to be open to the seemingly impossible because uh, it does happen. It can happen. And uh, you better be open to it both in the positive sense as well as in the negative. But um, be open to what is seemingly impossible and don't limit yourself to what you can imagine. But uh, really learn to go beyond your imagination. I think that I will say that to Barbara at 21. And I think she would think that would be great advice as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So how can we connect our audience with the work that you're doing and maybe let them get a copy of The Unexpected Gift? Where's the best place to send them? 
Um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I am quite uh, active there and uh, they can write to me and I will be happy to uh, send them my book or they can, if they prefer the, the Kindle version, it is available on Amazon, um, the Kindle version, or they can connect with me through my website, which is uh, my name. So barbaradallepezze.com. You sound so much better than when I pronounced it earlier. Oh, no, you pronounce it very well, actually, Steve. And we'll make sure that we put those links in our show notes as well for you. Thank you very much. Barbara, it's been wonderful talking to you. I love the fact that you've taken your life's lessons and it has now created a great and successful future for you. And I just wanted to say grazie for being on our show. Oh, that's amazing. Prego. It was really an honor and a pleasure, Steve. Thank you for having me. And uh, really, you have a great show here. Thanks, Barbara. I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event, or you would like to sponsor an episode, please connect with us via our social media. And you can do that by following and liking our pages on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is at Leadership Hacker. Instagram, you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker and at YouTube, we're just Leadership Hacker. So that's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush and I've been the Leadership Hacker.